I claim on earth what's coming from heaven could be here any day. Oh, I can taste his promise that is coming my Hello, way. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Growing in God's Word podcast with Dr. Jim and Joy McKinnis. Our purpose is to bring to you encouraging teachings that will help you grow in your understanding of the Word of God. Yes, and this is Dr. Jim McGinnis, and I want to encourage you today. And I have a verse that's been on my heart this week I want to share with you. And it's from Second Chronicles 25, verse 2. And it's more of a challenge today for you. And it says about a king called Amaziah, and it says, And he did right in the sight of the Lord. That sounds really great. He did right. What an epitaph in his life. He did right in the sight of the Lord. Yet not with his whole heart. Other translations say, you know, not with a loyal heart, or not with a perfect heart, or not not wholeheartedly. The Hebrew word here means to be finished, complete, whole. The whole did not belong to God. And what God wants from us is we serve him with our whole heart, and we'll discover that's even protection, because when we give everything to God, and we give him the things that in our life that are wrong, that are sinful, he brings healing, forgiveness, and, and we're going to see the consequences if we don't. We must not settle for Amaziah's attitude towards God. Many think that it's enough as a Christian. I do the basic things. I, I go to church. I read my Bible. I, uh, I, I tithe. I do this. And it's commendable. It's great you do that. But is there an area in your life where God might say, yes, you've done right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with your whole heart? We read in the Bible of Joshua and Caleb where God talks about a different attitude. He says in Numbers 32, verse 11, None of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not followed me fully. Notice that fully. Well, they didn't trust God, remember? Except Caleb, the son of Jupiter, and the Canaanite. And Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have followed the Lord fully. You see the contrast? Caleb and Joshua, they followed God and trusted him fully. But here we find Amaziah did not do with his whole heart. So let's get a background, and then we're going to also go in about Saul. And you're going to see this happen to Saul too. The background is Amaziah was king of Judah about 200 years after David was king. And in order to protect the people from the idolatrous Edomites, he needed to raise an army. He had 300,000 men of Judah to fight, but he felt like, man, I need some more help. So he sent to Israel, which at that time had really, really fallen away from God, and Amaziah agreed to pay the ten tribes of the king of the north, Israel, 100,000 shekels of silver. So with that, he got 100,000 men to join Judah in the battle. Now that's a lot of moolah, a lot of money. Seven, that, uh, uh, the 100, she- 100 shekels is 7,500 pounds. And 7,500 pounds of silver in today's market, I looked it up, is $2,617,343.75. Don't forget the 75 cents. So that's over two 
and a half million dollars, $2.6 million he paid to have these 100,000 men come. Now, the problem was the people of the north had fallen into idolatry. And God didn't want Judah to make an alliance with them at this time. So God sent a prophet, a man of God, to Amaziah, and commanded him to send the Israelite army back home. Well, he already paid them. And God says, I don't care if you already paid them, just send them home. And because he said if he allowed them to join in the battle, they would lose. And so Amaziah obeyed God. He obeyed God in a big way. I mean, it's not easy paying 2600000 for for something and then just saying, go home, guys. And so what happened is he did it, and there was victory. And yet, in the victory came a defeat. He had victory over the Edomites, but he brought back home the very same idols back to the land of Judah, and some people began to worship them. Crazy. You see, uh, he trusted God and obeyed God in the big things, but when he came, it is a big thing bringing back idols, but the big battle with these hundreds of thousands of people. And then they bring back the very idols that they were sent to defeat. Crazy. As a Christian, I wonder how many times we do that. We know the wages of sin is death, and we know if we persist in certain things in our lives, it will bring disaster, yet we keep on. The problem is is what we call incomplete obedience. Incomplete obedience. We read this in the letters of Revelations. We read Jesus saying a couple of times, he says, uh, but you guys did great. Uh, Laodicea, I, I, I see things you've done good, but I have this against you. Laodicea, you've got your first love, or, or you tolerate, he says, another church, you tolerate this uh, Jezebel spirit. And, and God says to the church itself, you did, there's certain areas, you're good, you followed me, but I have this against you. And we see this so played out in the life of Saul. God had called Saul. He had anointed Saul to be king. And after he became king, God wanted him to deal with some things. And one thing was dealing with the Amalekites. Now, what? why did God want to deal with the Amalekites? The reason is, if you go back and you read, when they were going in the wilderness, the Amalekites attacked from behind. They attacked those that were older, the weaker, the stragglers, the pregnant, the sick. And they attacked. So God saw this, and in Deuteronomy 25, verse 17, God had said, Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and cut off all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land he is, he is giving you to possess as an inheritance, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. Now, at that time, the Amalekites, the king's name was Agog. His name literally means, I will overcome. What a great name for a king um, that symbolizes the flesh symbolizes sin in the flesh. I will do it my way. I will succeed. I will not be wiped out. Well, 
what happened is, is now Saul is called to deal with it. God says, I want you to go and destroy these people. Leave nothing. It's, you see, that sounds harsh. Well, it's like God's taking out a cancer. He's removing that cancer. And, and otherwise, he knew it had spread. Actually, when Saul didn't deal with it, it did spread. Because you could read in the Bible, uh, a couple of hundred years later, the story of Esther. A uh, book of Esther deals with a villain named Haman, who was determined to destroy the Jews. Haman was an Agite. In other words, he was also from the family of Agog in the back, and he was also an Amakite. So you see, they were, they were against God, this tribe of people. Now, what happened to Saul was that God says, I want you to destroy, but he only partially agreed, obeyed. The Bible says he defeated them but and destroyed a lot, but he took Agog captive and the animals as well. This was incomplete obedience, or let's say it this way, partial obedience. And we read this even in his attitude. Because remember, when he had, uh, when he had de- defeated the enemy, yet he deliberately did not obey God in certain areas, and he knew it, we'll find out later. In verse 13 of Sam, chapter 15 of Samuel, it says here, because God has spoke to Samuel, so Samuel, I want you to go back there and talk to Saul, because he's disobeyed, I regret that I made him king, because of the way that, uh, what he's done here. And so verse 13, when Samuel comes to him, it says, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully, May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. I've done everything. We used to call this VRG, verbalized religious garbage. Oh, hallelujah, brother. Praise God. May the Lord bless you, man. I see some people who are living in, in, in obvious sin in, in areas of their life. Man, they can have the most religious language. And he does it here. What a language. Oh, may the Lord bless you, Saul. So great to see you, brother. Oh, man, I've done everything God has said. Well, you didn't have to be a super prophet to discern this one, because what Samuel says, oh, he says, okay, then what's this I hear? I hear sheep. And Paul goes, oh, yeah, those. And then he gets into what he did. Partial Obedience is disobedience. You got that? Write that down. Partial obedience is disobedience. He spared Agog, perhaps for ransom or prestige. And we'll find out why he saved the sheep. Because the first pitfall in their life with partial obedience is we like to rationalize the areas of disobedience. Notice, he says, I've carried out the Lord's instruction, not entirely, but generally, and I saved the sheep for sacrifice to God. He says this, I've saved them to sacrifice. Oh, man, first he, he bluffed or switched the blame. We do that. He says, you know, the soldiers did it to sacrifice, and and. We say this even today. We rationalize. Well, I got this problem with anger because it was my mom and dad, the way they treated me. Uh, I'm this way because because I'm weak physically at times, or I'm this or that. We, we rationalize, and yet 
God wants us to serve him with a pure heart. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. We all make mistakes, and we see that in David, as we're going to come to a verse in a minute. But uh, Samuel comes with a verse that we need to, in, to imprint in our hearts today. And it said, because what Saul was doing was kind of like this. Well, I got to put some money in the offering today. So on the way to church, he pulls up to a gas station <laughs> and he says, okay, stick him up. And he robs a gas station and then goes to church and, and gives offering. Well, I justify robbing the bank because I put money in the offering. That's not, you know, it's absurd, of course, but you would be surprised that people rationalize what they do. And so Samuel answers in verse 22, he says, Has the Lord his great delight burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and hearken to the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry. And teraphim, that's a household good luck images they had. Now, that's the Amplified Translation. And, in other words, you have stubbornness is like having a, uh, an idol in your home that, that you have for good luck and things. And so Samuel's saying, God, does he have delight in your rationalization? Or, as we'll find out, your excuses. And... The second temptation, it brings it to me, that pitfall is to be little. Because when Samuel says, and let me read, then what is all the bleeding? If you obeyed God, okay, quote, verse 14, what is all the bleeding of the goats and the lowing of the cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true, says Samuel, uh, Saul. Saul says it's true that the army spared the best of the sheep and goats and cattle. Paul, Saul admitted. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord, your your God. Notice how he said, Lord, your God here. We have destroyed everything else. Well, what he's saying is, well, I did what I thought was necessary. I did the bare minimum. I did the beginning. and we. But it was the people. It was the people that, that kind of wanted to give it to God and to thank God. Which brings, which is an excuse for making a mistake, uh, for sin in his life. Which brings us to the pitfall three, the temptation to blame it on others. And again, he says, what he's saying is not my fault. His answer was, the soldiers took them. The soldiers did it. They're the ones, you know? Now, Verse 9 said this when God was speaking in Samuel, and, and it's talking, uh, of course, Samuel wrote this section uh, of the Bible, but it says in verse 9, But Saul and the army spared Agog. Notice, Saul and the army. It, doesn't say, it didn't say the army spared Agog. The Saul and the army spared Agog and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the labs, everything that was good. See, they, they destroyed everything that didn't look good, but they kept everything that was good. These, these they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. It wasn't because they were going to offer to God. They said, oh, man. That 80-inch screen TV looks so good, it looked good in my tent. I think I'll take that one. 
and that's too good to destroy. Well, what they were saying, that's in modern terms, of course, but uh, what they were saying is, we're going to destroy that which is despised, but we're going to take everything that's good when God wanted all to be gone. It's like, I'm going to give God the things in my life that aren't so important. But these areas of my life, I'm going to keep them because I think they're really cool. I really like it. I'm going to keep sexual immorality. I'm going to keep uh, drunkenness. I'm going to keep drugs. I'm going to keep uh, this anger that takes control of me. I'm not going to deal with those things because I look at them as uh, they kind of help me cope in my life. Let me tell you, God is the one that will help you cope in your life. So they were unwilling to destroy these completely. Uh, I, I kind of smile, but I, I we always want to put off. And But the lady comes to me uh, and she says, Jim, will you uh, pray for me that I stop smoking? Now, people always ask me, where in the Bible to say I can't smoke? And I never, I always answer this way when people talk about smoking. I say, what do you feel in your heart? What has God told you? And I always get the same answer. Uh, they sheepishly say, yeah, God says I should quit. Why? Because he cares about your body. Because he cares. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he, he doesn't want you to be hurt by it. So I, this lady said, will you please pray for me? So I said, sure, I'll pray. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray, God, that you deal with this nicotine and, and, and set her free from this these habits that she's obviously convicted about. Otherwise, she wouldn't ask me to pray. And then uh, she said, yes, good, I, I can be free now. And she had cigarettes in her pocket, I saw. And I said, okay, we could take these cigarettes and, and throw them away now. And she turned kind of white, and she says, well, uh, that prayer was for tomorrow. These are for today. You see, she unwilling to destroy completely that what God was dealing with her. Because she still thought, I need these still, or I want these still. It's because when we want something, we make excuses for it. Or we blame others for a mistake. In this case, he blames the soldiers. But God didn't do that. He blamed Saul, too. In First Samuel 15.10, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I made Saul king, because he, notice underlying, he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. You are accountable, not in your life, you can't blame other people when you stand before God. You're accountable. Yes, you'll give you strength. Yes, sometimes there's a healing process that needs to take place uh, as we come to victory in our life. But we need to understand that we are accountable and we need to come to him. Can we compensate our disobedience to God by more sacrifices? When we disobey in our life, okay, I'll give more money in the offering. I'll serve more. I'll help more. And that'll balance it. One of the false doctrines, which is uh, this yin and yang, or these different things that are not of God, that says, okay, in our life, God's going to make all the good we do and all the bad they do, and they balance them. And if you've done more good than bad, then you're going to make it. That's not the way it goes in God. That's not God. And we can never 
make it on our own. It's because of Jesus and his forgiveness and his cross. But we as Christians sometimes think, well, I got these areas that I, I've not given to God completely, but I'll compens- compensate by more sacrifice, more giving, more service, serving. Can we really make up for our sin? Do we substitute religious ritual for spiritual reality? Saul tried that. The good flocks were kept to make sacrifices to God, so he said. Let me say this. Doing penance cannot solve the problem of disobedience. We, we think that, okay, I disobey, I'll go and, and, and talk to a pastor or a priest and I'll do penance. And that will deal with my disobedience when reality is, is we're just trying to, 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 uh, escape the real thing that's, that solves our disobedience. And that's sort of repentance. Saul was willing to do penance, but he was not willing to repent. Repent means to turn. Turn away, change your mind about it, and change direction. No good deed can buy God's favor. No good deed can take away our sin, deed of ourselves. What we need to do is confess and repent. The Bible says in First John 1, 9, it says, you know, if we sin, it talks about if we come to God, he is faithful and just to repent to forgive us if we repent, it says, if we repent. And that's what God wanted. This is where David was different than Saul. David really blew it. David sinned. David had area in his life, a, a room somewhere that he hadn't given to God completely, and it just blew out in proportion when he saw Bathsheba. And we know that sin. But David did something different than Saul. It does not say God regretted making David king. No. What was the difference between Saul and David? A repentant heart. In Psalms 51, the great Psalms where he repents and he pours his heart before God, he understands this because he says this in verse 16 of Psalms 51, For you delight not in sacrifice or else I would give it. You find no pleasure in burnt offering. My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God, is a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O God, you will not despise. That was in the Amplified. You see, David came and he says, God, I know it's not sacrifice you want, or I'm king. I could buy tons of cows and sacrifice or this. No, what you want is my heart. And you want my heart to be broken over my sin, and not just that, to turn from it, which David did. The next pitfall, the temptation to please man. Many of the things that we do is because we want to please those around us instead of please God. And that was Saul's problem. He said in verse 24, uh, he says, I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Listen, he was the king. And he says, I was afraid of the people. He was a head taller than everyone else. He was an imposing figure. Yet he was afraid. You know, when we fear man... More than God, it always gets us in trouble. Now, how do we know that Paul, Saul, I mean, uh, sorry, how do we know that Saul was also keen only in pleasing himself? 
it wasn't he was really afraid of the people. He used it for an excuse. But uh, the area that he wanted to please the people was because he wanted to please himself. He wanted to lift himself up. Because we see in just at the end of this, he wanted to rush to build a monument in his own honor. Chapter 15, verse 12. And he also says to Samuel after this incident, he says, Saul says, I have sinned. See, he recognized he sinned, but he never repented. I've sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people, before Israel. Come back with me so I may worship the Lord your God. It was an act to save face. Saul failed because he chose to follow his own will. Now, it's kind of like we have to understand that even the world sees this more than we do when we compromise. And the atheist man, Mark Twain, the great writer, he didn't believe in the Lord. Uh, he actually wrote against in so many ways. And he met a man who said to Mark Twain, Before I die, I mean to go take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I will climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top. Mark Twain said, I have a better idea. You could stay in Boston and keep them. <laughs> what was he saying? Live it. Not just talk about it and make this, this journey, because people believe, especially in that time, you make a pilgrimage, and that's going to count towards your sanctification. And even he understood, listen, why don't you stay and do it? Let's go back to our verse. Has the Lord his great sacrifice Delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. For behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is in iniquity and idolatry. You know, the problem is rebellion. That was the original. When Satan threw his pride, he rebelled against God. What did Adam and Eve do? They rebelled against God. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Derek Prince used to teach and say, I, I, uh, a Bible teacher I used to know and, and really appreciated, he said, rebellion leads to witchcraft. It leads to going uh, uh, in other areas, not listening to God. And stubbornness, iniquity, and idolatry. Um, Saul eventually went even to a witch. He had led even to witchcraft in his life, and he died after he went to that witch. We can read that later. Now, let me just kind of bring this together. Complete obedience. It's important that we're fruitful in our lives to God. What's that fruit? We read the fruit of the Spirit, the joy, the peace, the love. How do we do that? By hearing and doing the Word of God, not just knowing it. I was reading a, a commentator, Del Friesenfield. He wrote, partial obedience, delayed obedience. That's a good statement. Sometimes we say we, uh, we will obey later. Delayed obedience and surface obedience to impress others are not acceptable to God. He's looking for men and women who respond with instant, complete, wholehearted, and joyous obedience each time he speaks. Oh, Lord, I've says me now. Let it be me. Let it be me. Okay, to bring it together, going back to Messiah, we need to learn to do right even when we feel like we've been wrong. Amaziah... To his credit, uh, even though 
There'd been a great wrong that had befallen his family in the chapters before he began following the Lord, obeying him in his life. It's a, but he compromised. He did not do it with his whole heart. Do right even when you don't feel appreciated. Although Amaziah did deal with those who assassinated his father. And he obeyed by not putting to death their entire families. Because the tradition in that day is you take the assassins who killed his father and kill their families. And God says, I don't want that. The sins of the father will not go to the children and the children not to the father. So we obeyed God. But he felt that there's areas in his life he felt like, oh man, I, I, I gotta, uh, not give this area to God, which we see the compromise he did when he brought back idols. Do right, even when it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense for Amaziah, probably, I, I'm sure, to send away a hundred thousand soldiers he gave two and a half million dollars to, but he obeyed. So he obeyed, those are three areas I told you so far. He obeyed, he obeyed, and he obeyed, but, do right with your whole heart. Make every area a place of worship for God. This we find in the book of Revelations when Jesus says, I have this against you, you've lost your first love. Let every part of your life be a worship for him. Let it say, God, I want to obey you. Now you say, Pastor Jim, obviously we're not, we're not perfect. Yes, you're not perfect. But the Holy Spirit within you is guiding you, leading you. When he shows you an area of your life that you haven't surrendered, don't make excuses, don't blame others, but say, Lord, cleanse me, teach me, I repent. Yes, Lord, I have these struggles in my life. Yes, Lord, I made these mistakes. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9, one of my favorite verses. So anyway, I've taken you, taken a lot of time here today, and I've taken you through the this story. And I want to tell you today, the thought that it's really been in my heart, I don't want an epitaph of my life to be as it was over him. Let me read the verse we started with. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with his whole heart. Let us be a people that say, God, teach me to live for you with my whole heart. And if we fall as David did, we go back to Psalms 51 and we read how he repented. Repent and come to God. Let him cleanse you. I just wanted to share this with you today. And I just want to pray with you right now. Father, I pray for each and every person listening. Yes, Lord, we've fallen short. Yes, Lord, we've made mistakes. But, Lord, if there's areas in our life that we're blaming others for, areas in our life that we're compromising in, Father, Lord, touch those areas. Show it to us, Lord. And, Lord, Lord, we repent of that. And we ask you, God, that you might bring us to a place in our life that we live our whole life for you, 100%, because, Lord, we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, come and fill me up. Let your spirit come. Rain down in my life. Flood me with your love. I claim on earth what's coming from heaven to be here any 
day Oh, I can taste His promise That is coming my way